Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. If you are wondering what it is like to work with a midwife, this episode is for you. You are going to love this conversation with certified nurse midwife Gianna Fay. This episode is being brought to you by Element Prenatal Supplements. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. 
Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 168. Thank you for being here with me today. On today's episode of the podcast, we have Gianna Fay. Gianna is a certified nurse midwife and women's health nurse practitioner. She lives and works in the Metro Detroit area. She has been a birth worker since 2011 and has worked in a variety of settings, including out-of-hospital birth centers, large hospital teaching facilities, smaller community hospitals, as well as private practice. Throughout her career and the over 600 births that she has had the honor of being a part of, she has often seen pregnant families really struggle with navigating the complex maternity system and really feeling confident to make the best decisions for their care. She's super passionate about educating and empowering you to know your options and ultimately feel prepared to make the decision that is best for you. And I am so thrilled to chat with her today about the different types of practice models she's been in. She really, really brings a wealth of experience to her work that I think is so important. We also chat about what people can expect when working with a midwife who is in the hospital, how she as a midwife works with physicians, who's a good candidate for working with a midwife who isn't a good candidate, her thoughts on the term medwives, three things she wishes everyone knew about working with midwives, and much, much more. This is a fantastic episode, jam-packed with such great information. You are truly going to enjoy it. Now, before we get into the episode, let's chat for a minute about prenatal supplements and vitamins. You know, OBGYNs, we all recommend prenatal vitamins. You should really start taking them three months before you get pregnant. But it can be so confusing to figure out which one to take, which product is right for you. And that's why I really love this week's episode sponsor, Element. They have created the first ever personalized prenatal supplement. It takes the stress out of this process. Element is a twice daily packet. It was designed by maternal fetal medicine specialist, and it is customized not only for each person, but it also changes over time, depending on where you are in your pregnancy journey from preconception to postpartum. Every pregnancy is unique and really your prenatal should be too. Visit helloelement.com. That's element with two L's. Hello, H-E-L-L-O-E-L-L-E-M-E-N-T.com and join their wait list today. All right, let's get into the conversation with certified nurse midwife, Gianna Fay. Gianna, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I have been dying to have a midwife come on the podcast, so I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, your work and your family, if you'd like. Sure. So my name is Gianna Fay. I am a certified nurse midwife um, living in Detroit, Michigan. I am originally from Southern California, um, which is where I did nursing school and midwifery school um, because I'm a certified nurse midwife. That means I've got training as a, a registered nurse um, and then got my master's of nursing to become a certified nurse midwife. So I did all of that in Southern California. 
Um, and then since then, I've lived in Alaska and practiced there as a midwife. And now I'm in Detroit. Mm. So yeah, I've, I've been um, been doing midwifery and birth and pregnancy in a couple of different states. Nice. Yes, that's me professionally. And then I'm married to, I guess I'll say my college sweetheart. We've known each other a very long time, but I guess we started dating in college and we've got um, three kids, three and under, two boys and a girl. So we are busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, exactly. All righty. So what made you decide to become a midwife? Gosh. So, you know, growing up, I will say like in high school, I really liked watching, I don't know if you ever heard the show Birthday on TLC and Discovery mm-hmm. Health. They had this show called Birthday and like Special Delivery. I think those are the names. Um, and it was like a little docu-series that talked about birth. And of course it was always like emergency C-section, you know, this is mm-hmm. the labor and delivery unit it is. And I would watch that every day. And I was like, you know, I want to be an OBGYN. And going through high school and starting college, I was like, I don't really know if I want to commit to med school. And like, that doesn't feel right. Like I'm going to, you know, I like moms and babies. I'm going to do psychology. I'm going to do sociology and just do something with that. And, um, During my junior year, I took a medical sociology course and there was a women's health section and we watched The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake. Mm. And that is kind of, I like to say, like a gateway drug for a lot of birth junkies of that documentary. That is is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. Um, And I think that's the first time that I had heard of what like a modern midwife was. You know, of course, I'd heard the term midwife, I guess, like in life, but knowing what it actually was and that it still existed and what it looked like and what maternity care looks like in the Western world. And I was just like, oh my gosh, whatever that midwife is, that's what I got to do. Like, that's the thing I got to do. So I'm in my junior year with my psychology, sociology degree, finished that and immediately went back for nursing prereqs to go to nursing school to become a nurse midwife. So um, in that time, I really reached out to be mentored by some nurse midwives in my area. Um, and I worked at out of hospital birth centers and was a birth assistant and worked in the office there while I was doing my nursing prereqs and nursing school, which I think was a really, really good, um, foundation, um, before going into the hospital as a labor and delivery nurse as well. So yeah, 100%. So how long were you a labor and delivery nurse? Um, just about two years. So honestly, I really did my labor and delivery nursing concurrent essentially with the second two thirds of my midwifery program. Um, because I had the experience, I worked at the birth center again, total out of hospital birth center under CNMs for three years prior to becoming a nurse, they accepted that experience that I had as a birth assistant. Um, So I did that. And then I was a labor nurse for about eight months prior to starting the master's portion um, for the midwifery. And honestly, you know, I, again, I'm so grateful now that I had that foundation of totally normal birth outside of the hospital setting. And then I got to labor and delivery and I realized what labor and delivery nursing is and what labor and delivery birth (laughs) is. Um, And that's really important to know, especially being that I was going to become a nurse midwife and and I, you know, wanted to work in a hospital setting. So, you know, I felt like I knew so much and I did about birth, but 
I knew nothing about the running of a labor and delivery floor, you know, um, until I became a labor nurse. So that was really, really eye-opening. Yeah, that's really great and unique experience that most people don't have that gives you an incredible amount of insight into this work. Yeah. And it was difficult because I started with like a new grad cohort at a very busy facility that did 700 births a month and, you know, just very busy labor and delivery. And the way that they taught us as new grads, you know, the steps that you do in labor. And then all of my colleagues are learning this. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's not always necessary. Do we have to do that? Do we have to, you know, I'm questioning all these things because of the births that I've seen for the past three years in a total different setting. So, you know, it was interesting and frustrating, but also humbling. I hadn't seen true emergencies. I hadn't seen a lot of things that can go wrong uh, because I was dealing with a lower risk population out of the hospital, you know? So um, yeah, it was a really good foundation. It really was. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So you were, you said 700 births a month. That is very busy. Um, and I, you were probably being taught a way, essentially just trying to get people through, so to speak. Oh, exactly. Yes. Two patients on Pitocin all the time, continuous monitoring, lots of epidurals, lots of, you know, artificial breaking water, you know, just lots of mm-hmm. keep it moving, keep it moving. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So what type of practice model do you have now? Oh, actually, let me back up and say you, did you ever consider wanting to practice out of hospital birth or did you always know you wanted to be in the hospital? Yeah, really, really good question. And something I still struggle with every year, right? I'm like, what is my purpose as a midwife? Um, yes, I always knew I wanted to work in the hospital. Um, because, you know, over 94% of babies, even over 96, some stats say in America still are born in the hospital setting. And so I wanted to meet women where they are. That's where most people giving birth are in the hospital. More personally, I'm a black woman and most black and brown people giving birth are doing it in a hospital setting. There's definitely out of hospital birth growing in all demographics. Um, but specifically when looking at black and brown people, you know, um, and again, that's that's what I am, what I represent. Most of us are giving birth in the hospital setting. And so I found it really important to be able to offer midwifery care in a hospital. I also think that it's able to get to people that don't necessarily know the benefit they're getting versus at the out of hospital birth center in Orange County, California that I loved and, and worked at you know, these women have lots of access and means to a lot of different things um, versus you just encounter a midwife in the hospital and you didn't know that she may have, you know, saved you from unnecessary interventions or things like that. Um, So I like that idea about working in the hospital setting. Yeah. I I will, I do want to be out of the hospital again at some point in my career. Absolutely. But um, for now, I'm enjoying my time in the hospital. Gotcha. 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 So what type of practice model do you have now? And what types have you done in the past? Yeah. So now I, um, I work as a laborist, um, which, you know, I believe that's what you do too. You know, the, um, yep. right. Yes. <laughs> so I support a labor and delivery unit. Um, I don't have my own private patients. I care for patients from other OBs, um, and a few other midwives. And I work really closely with residents that manage the labor. Um, and so I do that. Um, I am enjoying doing that. I enjoy educating the residents. I enjoy the shift work. That's what my family needs right now. Um, so, you know, I'm enjoying getting exposure to a lot of different practices. We also are a pretty busy facility, um, not quite as 
650 to 700 births a month, but pretty busy. Um, so that's what I do now. But before this, you know, again, I did the out of hospital birth center while still a nurse in a nursing school. And then I have done group practice. So in Alaska, I worked in, in like a big group practice where, um, I don't know, I, I guess a group model, it's not a private uh-huh. practice. I don't know how, can you help me describe what that's like versus a private uh, yeah. practice? Yeah. I just, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Group practice feels like the best, the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, Everyone's patience is everyone's patience. Everyone um, works together. It's kind of a one-stop shop. The hospital's at the same place. The clinic is same place where the blood draw is. It's kind of same place where the ultrasound is. Um, We refer within to other specialties like chiropractic and it's all kind of, you know, within the same organization, um, I guess. I don't know. That's, kind of the best way to explain it. Um, yep. And I did that for three years in Alaska and I loved it. Um, that was my new grad midwife experience. And I worked uniquely with the Alaska native population, which was also really, really rewarding. Um, lots of good stories there as well. And then when we moved to Michigan before this job, I worked in private practice, which I also really enjoyed. Um, and in the private practice setting, I, I found it very challenging um, the work-life balance aspect with the small kid, one at the time, um, soon to be two at the time that I left, um, that was really difficult, but I enjoyed the relationships I developed with my patients through prenatal care. I enjoyed the relationships with my collaborating physicians and the hospitals. Um, I just couldn't be on call and be up all night and then come home and have a six month old baby that I also had to care for. Uh, that was, that was proving too difficult at the time. Yeah, absolutely. That, that totally makes sense. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor. This message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. But you have had like a wealth of experience that I'm sure helps you in the hospital as well in terms of forming those quick relationships as hospitalists, we have to connect with people very quickly. And, um, also knowing like what happens on the other side in prenatal care. So I'm sure you, you know, all of those experiences together really, really help you be great at what you do. Thank you. Yes. I do feel, I feel like I have a perspective, you know, from, from a lot of different backgrounds. I, I have a different perspective. Absolutely. And, um, in my role now. 
So let's talk about what can people expect when working with a midwife who is hospital hospital based because I feel like this is becoming more common. I too work side by side with certified nurse midwife hospitalist as well or laborist. So what can people expect when working with a midwife who is just in the hospital? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest emphasis that I like to place in a lot of my colleagues is on physiologic birth. And I think that's what you can expect is someone who's going to advocate for that. Um, I want to get rid of this whole natural birth, you know, term. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean no medication? Does that mean vaginal? What does that mean? Right. I just want to say physiologic birth, which is Mm -hmm. a whole podcast episode in itself. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) you know, just like promoting and standing by normal, healthy pregnancy and birth. And looking out for when pathology, when something does go wrong. Um, and I think that's what a midwife who's hospital-based should be and is, is, is uniquely equipped at doing. Instead of routinely applying all interventions or things to every person, it's looking at the physiology of the specific person and trying to advocate for that. Um, that might, you know, again, I kind of alluded to it earlier, how we can protect people from things they don't even necessarily, they know they need to be protected from when they're in the inpatient setting. Um, I often educate a lot about certain interventions and things that we do, you know, to empower, power patients to make their own decisions that may be better suited for them as a low risk, you know, normal, normal person or even moderate risk, right. Um, person, um, And then I think one of the things that people expect from us, which is true, is we do have more of a knowledge of non-pharmacologic pain control methods. It's part of our training. We're required to attend a certain number of births that are unmedicated. Um, So, you know, and most of us, you know, in our CEU continuing education time, attend different workshops and things like that to uh, expand that body of knowledge. So I do think you can expect a little bit more... um, support it from a non-pharmacological standpoint in terms of labor support, um, in the hospital. Gotcha. Gotcha. So who is a good candidate for working with a midwife and who is not? Mm-hmm. There's this quote, um, that was from one of these studies. I believe the person who made, did the study, her name is Jane Sandall. And I love it. It says every woman needs a midwife and some women need a doctor too. <laughs> and I like that because, um, I really feel like almost everyone is a great candidate for a midwife. Um, The term midwife means with woman. And that just means that we pride ourselves on a continuity of care and an established personalized plan of care for every person. Um, So during the prenatal care and well woman care, which a lot of midwives can do, um, you know, that's a great fit for a majority of women. Now it's intrapartum risk factors, um, mainly that are going to risk someone out of midwifery care because there's certain things that I cannot do specifically Mm -hmm. during the birth. I cannot do surgical births. I cannot do cesareans. I cannot do vacuum or forceps assisted deliveries. I cannot do very, very preterm babies. Um, You know, twins, multiples can be complicated. And so I think it's a really important thing to look when you say, well, I'm too high risk. Is it your risk in in the birth itself? I think that's the biggest thing to look for um, when, quote, risking out of a midwife care in the hospital setting. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that happens in prenatal care, diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever it might be, also may need the attention of a physician. 
Um, and that can be done in collaboration with a midwife. Would you agree with that? 1000% yes. Um, and I've also found through the course of my career, because I've worked with lots of different midwives at different hospitals. Some midwives are more comfortable with doing, like taking a patient who has hypertension or diabetes or and, and co-managing. So I may be managing the blood pressure part and the midwife is doing all of the birth issues or the diabetes or, or that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I, I have a, a time or two come across some midwives who don't want to touch anybody with a 10 foot pole who is is not like very explicitly low risk without any issues at all. I would say the majority tend to fall towards being comfortable with co-managing things if they're working in the hospital, but occasionally you may find a midwife who doesn't want to um manage or be you know deal deal with anything that that could be considered higher risk. Sure. Yeah, and I understand that, right? And that's where and that's the beauty of one of the beauties of the hospital system is where my expertise ends, someone else's starts, and where their expertise ends, someone else's starts, right? And so there's that layers of support um, within the hospital setting um, that's unique versus if you are an out-of-hospital practicing um, provider, for sure. Yeah. So that's why I say every woman can have one in the hospital setting because, you know, likely um, there's a physician available as well if need be. Yep, absolutely. And and more and more practices are going to um, having midwives manage all of labor and the physicians only come for operative births, um, you know, vacuum forceps or C-sections. So Mm-hmm. I agree that, and it, and and actually, that's the way that it is in terms of every woman having a midwife. Um, internationally, that's very much so. Kind of the foundation of 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 birth. It's a little different in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do you work with physicians? Obviously, I know the answer to that question, but but some <laughs> folks may not understand exactly how midwives work with physicians. So, how do you work with physicians? You know, I'll, I'll talk about it in the role, in a full scope role. I think that that is more commonly how the question is asked um, versus in my current role. You know, as a full scope practicing provider, you know, I have my patients that I see for their prenatal care. They come to me for their visits. They go get their ultrasound done, get their labs done. They come to me. We talk about it. We interpret them. We discuss. Um, and if during the course of their prenatal care, something arises, say, their elevated glucose screen and a diagnosis of gestational diabetes or elevated blood pressures or anything like that or something abnormal with an ultrasound, something that is leading us to think that this pregnancy course might be more complicated, then I would collaborate with one of my physicians. Um, At all the places I've worked, it's been a pretty easy process of, you know, through the computer or in person, depending on where I worked, you know, hey, I think this person needs a physician appointment for this reason. I've already talked with her about this. She's going to see you in two weeks. You guys can talk about it. And then, you know, either they see me for a visit and back to the physician for a visit on and off. If it's diabetes, say, that needs to be managed with medication or um, or one visit with a doctor might be enough and everything is going well and they might not need to see the physician again throughout their care. So it just depends, you know, in the prenatal setting, what risk factors may arrive, um, how I work with physicians in the hospital setting. Um that's been very different depending on where you work, what role you work and your practice setting. Um, and so, you know, I think that 
needs some attention because um, it can be frustrating if you come from a mid, you know, in my group setting, it was very supportive. Um, I was able to manage and do a lot. And then when I moved to private practice, it was like, if I have anyone who's, for, for instance, um, attempting a TOLAC, a trial of labor after cesarean, my position has to be in-house the whole time. So that was a big change for me. Um, and my physicians were supportive, but I just had to remember to call them and have them in there to be there, quote, just in case, you know? So I think the working with physicians during the labor part really is, depends on the practice you're with, the facility you're in and what their policies might be. Um, and it's all relationally based, you know, once they've started working with me and knowing what I'm comfortable with and vice versa, um, it kind of helps that relationship flourish a little bit more. So it's not so hands on hands and more I'm here to support if need be. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> um, it can be, I'm, I'm chuckling because I can maybe hear a little bit in your voice that it really depends on the doctor because some of y'all want to be all up in <laughs> our business. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> uh, because I know, I, I know some of my colleagues just don't feel as comfortable working with midwives. So that is something that you need to be um aware of for the listeners, if you're, you know, working with a midwife in a practice, some physicians just, they, they, you know, may be newer for them and they may not feel as comfortable and they may, you know, uh, interfere some places where they don't necessarily need to be until they get that comfort level. I think most people come around, but for some people, for some doctors, it is, they just have a hard time with it. And then you have other doctors like, at me who are like, if, if the midwife is calling me, then they need me. Cause they're not calling me unless, you know, we don't have to talk unless you really need me kind of thing. So I think it really does, does, um, depend on the, on the physician. Yeah. And that's, what's beautiful about working in different roles and getting different experience. You know, I, I think when I come to a job, a lot of people, can see that I've had a variety of experiences, like you said, and, and I think I am approached mostly with a lot of respect and, and feeling that, you know, I can handle things. And if I can't, I will come to you at the appropriate time, you know, but sometimes again, it takes more relationships, times to grow. And, or if you've had a bad event or bad outcome, and that's going to obviously stick out in your mind for a long time. So, you know, sometimes battling against that is a frustration, um, with the collaboration of care. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. 
and that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So what do you think about the term medwives? My gosh, I think a lot about this term. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, medwife is usually, the way I look at it, it's, it's a term intended to cast a negative light on hospital-based midwives um, who practice more of like a medical model of care, you know, including lots of interventions and recommendations that aren't necessarily in line with physiologic birth. And you know, what I'd like to add is that the practice setting is more important for the way a midwife or any practitioner really develops his or her skills. Um, so if all someone's ever known and trained in is the hospital system, you know, in America, aka the medical industrial complex, um, there's a lot of rules and policies that, you know, get ingrained in them. And so, Again, I think my foundation's unique in that I've seen out of hospital birth prior, um, and I'm open to it and want to work in it again. Um, so I'm not as, my perspective is broader. I'm not as confined to those things. So I hope I'm, quote, not a med wife. However, I am also obligated to follow the policies and procedures of my hospital. I can lose my job. I can, you know, be reported or whatever if I'm not doing what the policy says. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't educate people to refuse certain things. Um, but, you know, I think it just gets, it's a gray area because to say that all midwives in hospitals are practicing as medwives because they're doing continuous EFM or IVs on everyone or whatever it is, you know, it's hard. It's, 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 those are the policies and we know it takes, you know, 12, 15 years sometimes for policies to get updated to evidence. And so I'm there, I'm sitting at those meetings every third Thursday of the month or whatever it is, you know, it just <laughs> might take some time for those policies to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think your point about you're so highly influenced by where you train mm -hmm. is really, really important. The culture of the environment makes a big difference. Like for mm -hmm. me, it has never been a problem for me working with midwives because I worked with midwives since I was a resident. So it, you know, 15, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, that was never an issue for me. And I can totally see how, if you're uh, in a midwifery school or your training is in a very highly medicalized system that it can be hard for you to know 
more of what I, I, you know, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, like more true, like midwifery roots and, and, and care. Sure. Um, so I can, I, I, I see your point that it's where you're trained and, and can, can make a huge, a huge difference for sure. Yeah. And you know, on the contrary and a lot less common, but again, I think it's practice setting. There are community-based OBs, you know, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, um, uh, there's another one that I follow on Instagram. I'm forgetting her name right now. Like that, our community-based OBs. He only does home birth and supports midwives in Southern California, and does um, things like twins home birth and vaginal breach home birth. Which, however you want to feel about it, it's how you feel about it. But he basically practices midwifery, but he's a board-certified OB/GYN. <laughs> um, you know, so I think it's it's like you're saying it's. Um, kind of, he was trained obviously in the traditional obstetric system. And then for the last years, 20 years has been doing birth in that setting. So I think it's the setting, um, and the training that cultivate you over time to turn yeah. you into the provider that you are. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, one of the best compliments I got from a midwife was that I was very midwifery in my practice. So oh. <laughs> I, I try to, um, you know, I don't look at that as a negative thing because the foundations of midwifery care are really, um, important and they, they save lives and, and help women have a great experience. So, um, we should all be adopting some more midwifery style practices for sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So what are three things you wish everyone knew about working with a midwife? Um, I guess first, like what my role is, you know, like what a midwife is versus a doula, I think comes up a lot. Um, doulas are amazing. I am not one. You need one if you have a midwife. <laughs> so, um, you know, basically knowing what I do, that I'm a, I'm a provider, I care, I'm in charge of the medical care for yourself and the baby. Yes, I am often, you know, I love to be supportive and I can do that, but I'm not a doula whose job it is, is to solely dedicate time to support you and your partner in labor. I may have three people in labor. That means six patients that I have to care for, you know, so um, kind of just knowing what I am, what my role is versus a doula versus the nurse. Um, so I think that's one thing that I definitely wish everyone knew. Um, I wish everyone knew you could have an epidural if you have a midwife. Um, I think people think midwife means that I'm saying I want an unmedicated birth and I want to eat my placenta and I want to, you know, sing Kumbaya or whatever the stereotypes are. <laughs> and Hey, I'm kumbaya with you if that's what you want. Um, but that's not what I went to school for. That would be in addition to, you know, so, um, I just think that knowing that you can have epidural and or whatever pharmacologic modes are available in a hospital setting. Um, cause that's what we're talking about. Hospital based midwifery. You can have that yep. with the midwife. Um, and then lastly, I guess just that you can have a midwife in the hospital setting. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that or, or they're just starting to learn about it, you know, seeking out the practices in your area that have midwives or the hospitals that have midwives as laborists, even calling your insurance company to ask if there are any, you know, covered um, facilities that have midwives. Um, I just, I do, I wish more people knew that they could have a midwife in the hospital setting. 
Yeah, those are all all great points. I think uh, the first one for sure. So many people confuse um, doulas and and midwives, and uh, I I appreciate that you're being honest. Like I, I you're probably not going to be my only patient in the hospital, so I I I literally can't be at your bedside. <laughs> doing continuous support all the time. It's just not the structure of how hospital-based midwifery works. So I'm definitely having a good doula in addition to a midwife is like um, for sure a great thing. Yeah. 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 I'm taking a class, a comprehensive class. Mm -hmm. You have a great one. You know, just because you have a midwife doesn't mean that you don't need to educate yourself. Um, You know, so yes, absolutely. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, and then what are three things you wish everyone knew about having a, like everyone having a baby knew about birth in particular? Um, that, gosh, that it will come on its own if we just let it, (laughs) um, towards how many inductions happen. It's crazy. Um, but yes, that your body is, is often wiser than we are and it will, birth will happen. Um, and that really surrender is the most important part, not control. Um, and I, and I know that's really hard in our busy Western society and all the information we have or think we have access to. And, you know, I think the average person giving birth for the first time in America now is about 30 years old. So likely that person's gone through schooling and is very successful, you know, and everything has gone the way they wanted. And, you know, but control when we do too much about controlling and trying to research everything that is the opposite of birth's rhythm rhythm birth's rhythm is surrender and so i really um try to talk to to people about that as they're approaching birth um and then just in general what's normal and what's red flags you know it surprises me how many people don't know how much bleeding might happen, you know, with birth. And then of course they're concerned because all pregnancy, you don't want to bleed. And now I'm like, yay, bleeding. And they're (laughs) freaked out, you know, and I'm like, I wish you knew what was normal, you know, versus red flags. So all great points for sure. I really love like the surrender piece. Um, and that's not to be misinterpreted. Like you said, with a lack of preparation, those are, it's not the same thing. Surrender doesn't mean just like, you know, throw caution to the wind um, and just like forget everything. That's not what surrender means. Surrender means you just, you have to be in tune with your body and the process. You can't, fighting it just makes it longer and (laughs) potentially like more painful. Absolutely. And then um, the final question that I didn't, I, you know, I didn't prep you about this ahead of time, but I, I, or didn't put it in my list of questions. So I'm sort of putting you on the spot here. What are your thoughts about like midwifery in general is very much so a white woman dominated profession. There are more black and midwives and, and, and midwives of color. So what do you think about that in terms of how the field is, how, how that is, um, in terms of for caring women now, because honestly, I've seen some stories, unfortunately, of, of black women and they were with a, a white midwife and experienced some really racist um, behavior. Mm. Um, or on the flip side, you know, they they felt like they were very well cared for. So what are your yeah. thoughts about like the overall makeup of the profession and how that affects the ability to care for for women? Gosh. 
of all the questions to not have me. Have I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Part of it just came back because, you know, midwifery was like, there, there, black women were a huge part of midwifery um, in the past, exactly. huge, huge. Yeah. And then we're essentially driven out of the profession. Yeah, you know, historically, we've always been doing this. The granny midwives is what you're referring to. You know, um, years ago, it was black women that took care of women, white and black women, um, giving birth in home settings. Um, and then with the development of obstetrics and a lot of things that happened, kind of pushed you know, the granny midwives out and kind of painted, why would you want to have care by this, you know, black woman when you can come into a hospital with this man and have no pain and have a, have your birth, you know? So mm-hmm. that was a very simplistic way of explaining what happened. But um, now with so much that's going on in this country in regards to just race relations and people doing their own work, um, I think it's important no matter what you identify as to recognize your own implicit biases. I think all of us have sadly, you know, the, um, we've all had experiences where we've treated someone differently because of an implicit bias we have. I know I have, Um, I have too. I have too, for sure. And we all need to do that work. I do think though, that my being black and interacting with black and brown people during birth, the cultural competency that comes with that, um, is crucial and really important. Um, and is recognized. There's been several times only in these last two years, I'd say where I've walked in a room and people have literally said, Oh my God, you're black like black women saying to me, Oh, I'm so happy you're black. Mm -hmm. It's never happened to me before these last couple of years. Um, and just small nuances of like, I don't know, our hair, you know, black hair is a big thing. And you know, this one patient was on about, she had to be induced, but she wasn't ready because her hair appointment was on this day and she wasn't ready yet. And I was just able, that wasn't an emergency, you know, but I was able to like see her where she was and understand that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's just so much more to be said there. Um, and especially with the, you know, black maternal health crisis and the rates and all of that. Um, there's just so much to unpack here that I'm just glad to be a representative, to be one of the black midwives that someone might see, um, you know, during their, during their care. There are not very many of you all, you all are kind of unicorns in a respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I, I guess I didn't know that as much. Although, again, I just I trained in Orange County, California. <laughs> like, I, and I know of two other black midwives that uh, went through the same program I did um, in the same place. So I guess I did know I was a unicorn, but it's, it is a really unique experience when someone looks at you and thanks you for your unicornness, you know, um, thanks you for being there and showing up as you are and is grateful that you're there. Um, that's been a really rewarding and new experience for me in these last couple of years. Yeah. I, I have that similar experience as well as a, as a black female physician where folks Mm -hmm. literally you walk in the room and they're like, Oh my God, thank God you're here. Or, you know, you can see them visibly relax um, because they just, you know, they feel more comfortable. So I totally, totally get what you're feeling from that. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just (laughs) felt like it was something we had to touch upon. I agree. Yeah. 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 So what is, as we wrap up, what is the most frustrating part of your work? Um, I would say the most frustrating part is 
explaining to people again what I do, what midwives do, are, can't do. Um, and that has to do with, you know, the certification process and the differences in types of midwives and all of that. So it kind of muddies the waters, but that's really frustrating to explain. No, no, no. Like I'm a nurse midwife. I work in the hospital. This is what I do. Um, and, and also, you know, I'm, I am getting growingly frustrated with this, just the system and the system saying we want to lower C-section rates. We want to improve different outcomes and, people's satisfaction. To me, the answer is just so simple. <laughs> you know, it's more midwives, it's less interventions, it's training residents with with physiologic birth, you know, tendencies. Um, so it's just frustrating. Like, okay, this is the answer. Why aren't we doing this then? If these are all the mm-hmm. things that you're throwing all this money at, like, let's do these things. Yeah. It, <laughs> again, I'm chuckling because you're right. It's really not actually that difficult of a concept. We just have to like center the person given birth and right. the process and listen to them and meet their needs, like focus on what they need. Right. Um, and if we d- did that, like things would be a lot, a lot different, but somehow it's seems to be difficult for us to do. Yeah. I don't think it's just us. I think a lot of patients now don't trust themselves and aren't empowered. And so they're not even looking for it to be revolving around them and their needs. You know, they're very like, whatever the doctor says and whatever I need to do. And, you know, there's a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, and that just, you know, saddens me that people aren't asking for that type of care. They're kind of just whatever you think is best and just filled with fear um, in, in regards to the thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So on the flip side, what is the most rewarding part of your work? Oh, there's just that look on a person's face when they're done and they've birthed their baby and they look at you and they just say, thank you so much. And you can tell that you, and it's not catching the baby. Um, that's fun. Um, but it's, it is just knowing that you helped them at one of their most difficult physically, emotionally, spiritually transitions ever, and that you were there with them. I think that Thank you so much. Genuine eye to eye contact. That moment is worth everything. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So what's your favorite piece of advice that you would give to expectant moms, expectant families? Um, Educate yourself, educate yourself, educate yourself. It's my number one. Um, Take a comprehensive class. Do not just take your hospital's labor and delivery tour class. Um, you know, just really educate yourself um, on what you don't know, especially the first time around, um, because there's a lot that you don't know. Um, get a doula if possible. Um, I do think that that is makes a world of difference for people in terms of outcomes and experience. And then also, like you know, for you guys, you and your partner, your support person, come together first and decide what's most important for you. Um, and drown out all the other noise. It's kind of your first exercise in parenting. You're going to have to do that for the rest of the time. So through your pregnancy and childbirth decisions, really making sure that you're in line with your values, with your partner's values, your support person's values, that's what matters first, not what everybody else is saying or thinking or doing. Um, Mm. Those are the biggest things that I tell people. All excellent advice, all excellent advice. So where can people find you? I am on Instagram um, at, at Midwife A. 
Um, I am, again, with my three littles, I have been a little less active in the social media space right now, but I am on there. I also have a YouTube channel as well that I'm growing. Um, my, mid, my YouTube channel, you can search Midwife A or Gianna Fay, either way. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we will link that in the show notes. And less social media probably is a is a good thing, <laughs> or at least using <laughs> it, you know, as effectively as possible. <laughs> oh, something I'm trying to work on myself. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gianna, for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I'm so excited that you were here. We'll have to have you come back and, and talk about something else, Midwifery. I would love to anytime. Thank you for what you do. I tell everyone to listen to you. I just um, really appreciate your just all around good wholehearted, evidence-based, just all the perspectives that I think patients need to hear. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that a great conversation? I really, really enjoyed chatting with Gianna. She's so passionate about her work. Now, you know, after every episode where I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top three or four takeaways or thoughts from the episode. And before I get into Dr. Nicole's Notes, let me tell you a quick word about this week's podcast episode sponsor, Element. I had the pleasure of chatting with the founder of Element, and can I tell you, she is so incredibly passionate as well about her work, and they take a very serious approach to this. Element provides a tailored prenatal supplement for each person, whether you have certain dietary preferences, a high-risk pregnancy, or nutritional deficiencies like low iron or vitamin D levels. And every 30 days, they can adjust your prenatal protocol to make sure it is the perfect fit for you based on where you are in your journey. Element has really exceptional ingredient quality, no fillers, no additives, and the packaging is eco-friendly as well. Visit helloelement.com, that's Element with two L's, join their wait list today. Okay, let's get into Dr. Nicole's notes. So I want to talk for a minute about the different types of midwives. We briefly touched upon that, but I just want to give you a quick overview of the different types. The big two types are certified nurse midwives and then certified professional midwives. In the hospital, you are always going to encounter certified nurse midwives, and a certified nurse midwife, uh, her minimum education requirement is that she has to have a bachelor's, de- bachelor's degree or higher and also has to have an RN license. And these days, many programs also require um, doctorate level um, thesis work in order to be a certified nurse midwife as well. So in the hospital, you're only going to see certified nurse midwives. In the community, so in birth centers or home births, you will most often encounter certified professional midwives. Certification as a, as a certified professional midwife does not require an academic degree. It's more based on demonstrating a certain level of competency, competency in specific areas of knowledge and skills, and that varies by state. So those are the differences between certified nurse midwives and certified professional midwives. In episode 120 of the podcast, I talk in more detail about the overview of midwifery care, that is drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 120, 120. Okay, number two, I want to reiterate Gianna's point of surrender, not control. You cannot control birth. 
I can't control birth. Your doctor can't control birth. The only person who controls birth is the baby. And they don't tell us our plans. Birth is an unpredictable process that cannot be controlled. And in order to go with the flow of the birth process, you really need to surrender to it and be in the moment of your birth. Now, surrender doesn't mean like you throw caution to the wind. I was going to say another expression, but I don't think I can say that with the podcast because this is family friendly. But anyway, um, you, you can't just like throw caution to the wind, but you can be prepared. That's where childbirth education is so important. Listening to this podcast is so important. Of course, you can join me in the birth preparation course, my online childbirth education class that gets you calm, confident, and empowered for your birth. That is a great, great next step from this podcast. And you can check that out at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. Okay, the last Dr. Nicole's notes is I just wanna give a shout out to all of the midwives that I have worked with throughout my career. I have worked with some really fantastic ones, learned from some really fantastic ones and the experiences have helped me to be a better doctor. I really wanted a midwife on the podcast for a long time, but I couldn't bring myself to to ask any of the midwives I work with because I didn't want to like seem like I was doing favorites. I couldn't bring myself to choose. So I just want to tell you all that I love you all. I appreciate working side by side with you to take fantastic care of women during their pregnancy and birth. All right. So there you have it. Do me a couple solids, share this episode with a friend. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. I love those reviews. I love to hear what you think about the show. And from time to time, I do shout outs from those reviews. So definitely do that there. Also, if you want to connect with me after the podcast, I have another resource for you. It's called the Inner Circle Membership. It is a really great place to get additional content and information from me. At the time this is airing, the Inner Circle is probably um, closed for membership because we just had an opening and it's probably closed, but you can head to my website, drnicolerankins.com forward slash email, join my email list to get on the wait list for when the Inner Circle opens again. It's a great community where you connect with other like-minded folks and I do monthly classes about birth. Um, I do monthly office hours where you can ask me anything about pregnancy and birth. So head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash email. Or if you're listening to this and it's later on, um, after the episode is aired, the inner circle may be open again. So you can go to drnicolerankins.com forward slash inner circle and join. Actually just head there because <laughs> if you're interested, because even if it's closed, it'll direct you to join the wait list. All right. So that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.